0: You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by FitzDares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Friday, August the 18th. And our very pleasant week has now been punctuated with some fairly steady drizzle here in TW11 before it brightens up over the weekend. Um, that's nothing compared to what they've just had in Deauville, which is the the racing capital of the world this week and where I really feel I, I ought to be. There's been a torrent there which will have a significant impact on the ground, you'd think, for the big group ones this weekend. The Jean romane uh, that's the rematch between the... Pretty Polly 1 2 via Sistina and Stay Alert, and a Pre Morning, which is the best two year old race run in Europe so far this season, with a, a stellar lineup, more of which later in the programme. Also, big news that we teed up the other day Adrian Cunhas brought you the possibility that the Wertheimer brothers were going to acquire. The bloodstock interests of Dayton, which is the the new name or the newish name for the, the Wildenstein family breeding operation. That's all been acquired. That includes the dams of Paddington and Persian King. Talking of Paddington, he heads a potential field of eight, though some of those are unlikely runners, for the Judmont International, the feature race at York next week. He's a shade of odds on to beat Mostadaf, Desert Crown and Co., You'll be hearing from trainer Owen Burroughs later in the show, William Muir on why pile Driver's not there, and also owner Imad al Sagar on why Nashua is there in the Judmont International. I was at Ballydoyle, I saw Paddington yesterday. Big news from Ballydoyle yesterday, because I was there with the Victoria Racing Club, is that Tower of London, who is quite a short price in most lists for the St. Ledger this season, he probably won't go there because he's being pointed towards the Lexus Melbourne Cup. That's quite significant. Aidan O'Brien back at the Melbourne Cup this year. That's the intention. And he's also got many entries in the Cox Plate and the Caulfield Cup, particularly given a lot of the conversation that surrounded the enhanced veterinary checks over the last few seasons. It seems as though Tower of London could well head to the Melbourne Cup. But as I said, for all, I had a great day yesterday visiting Willie Mullins and, and Aidan O'Brien. I feel really this week you, you should be in with the with the big racing this weekend. Uh, with everything going on and with the Arcana yearling sales starting sales season today as I welcome in European editor for the Thoroughbred Daily News, uh, Emma Berry. Emma, you are in the right place.
1: Well, I can literally hear yearlings whinnying from my bed. So it's um you know it's it's a battle between that pleasant sound and the slightly unpleasant sound of mosquitoes, which have eaten me alive through the night as well. But we won't dwell on that. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great spot to be. Wouldn't miss it. And and I'm especially looking forward to the racing on well Saturday and Sunday. But Sunday's going to be a huge day.
0: That's to come. But sales season in Europe begins in earnest this afternoon at Arcana. Yearling sales season, at, at any rate. To what extent is this a a significant barometer? for the rest of the year how carefully will you be watching those first two sessions thinking well this is what we can expect in the weeks ahead as regards the the health of the market
1: it's it's an important guide um and i think expectations at the moment are running very high it's a you know the sales grounds have been packed by you know faces from all over the world it was a really big sale last year um but you know that broke 50 million euros for the first time ever and I think very much expecting more of the same when you see um, Sheikh Mohammed's here, John Magni's here, um, various of the Bahraini players who've been making quite a big splash here in recent years, Yoshito Yahagi, who bought the top lot last year, Sotsas's brother. He's been back and looking at Yellings for the last couple of days, and you know, really, uh, and lots of Americans as well. So I think we can expect people to be really taking each other on, and for there to be a lot of excitement. Uh, uh
0: So tell me a little bit about why you think this this particular sale has has grown in stature as it has. Is it is it to do with its positioning in the calendar? Is it just because it's attracting better stock? What's the what's the reason for the ascent? Do you think?
1: Well, look. I think extraordinarily through the pandemic, just when we feared the worst, that racing was going to grind to a halt, and obviously it did for a small amount of time, we were really worried on the bloodstock side and the sales side. And extraordinarily through that, things kept growing, the market kept growing, and and it seems to have just really built on that since then as well. And it's not just Arcana. I mean, we're kicking off, obviously, at Arcana at the moment, but I must say as well, for the Orby sale coming up next month, then into Tats, Book 1, Book 2. You know, these, these sales have all really strengthened in the last few years. In France, I think there's this really, you know, we start the season with this, bizarrely, with the kind of holiday feel. You know, we're right at the seaside, lovely weather until this morning. Um, and, you know, Dover's just the most stunning place to visit. So, um for an international visitor, that's there's nothing not to like, really. Plus, you have the cream of the French yearling crop here, some Irish vendors as well, you know, but it's it's predominantly you know dominated by the French horses. And over the years, you know, okay, plenty of people buying will be buying to take yearlings out of the country. I'm sure that's what Mr. Yahagi will be planning. If he buys a lot of the Godolphin purchases, will go back to Britain to be trained by Charlie of Hybins Robert. Equally, there's a lot of investment from America and other nations into French racing as well. They, as we know, have an extremely lucrative owners and breeders premium set up. The prize money is very good compared to Britain especially. Um, And France, Gallo and the FRBC have really worked on very much promoting everything that's good about French racing. And, um, you know, it's it's. I've been a very small, you know, bit part owner in a, in a, in a horse here, and it's just a wonderful thing to be involved in because it it does feel like you're having a little bit of a holiday every time you uh, every time you come.
0: Outside the 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 sale ring, there's been a really very significant development in French bloodstock that we trailed on the podcast the other day. Adrian brought us a report suggesting that um, the rumours were true that the Wertheimer family were going to acquire the interests uh, formerly owned by the, the the Wildensteins. And that does seem to have, to have happened. Can you flesh that out for me a bit, Emma?
1: Yes, indeed. I mean, it's it's sort of strange in a way, isn't it? Because you, you you feel a little sad at the thought of there no longer being a Wildenstein involvement in racing. It's a name that we've been so familiar with for decades and they've owned such incredible horses over the years, not least four winners of the Arc to Triumph. But it's... It's Also, sort of comforting that another major French owner breeder has taken this on. It, it feels like the handover, it, you know, that it's going into very good hands, established hands that you know already have their own, um, very significant breeding operation. And and it, you know, it's a bit like perhaps when you know the stock of Marcel Boussac or what have you passed into the hands of the Aga Khan. It, it's, you know, I like the idea of it going from, from one major owner breeder to another, um, but it is the end of an era and especially at, the, at a time when diane Wildenstein has bred you know arguably the most exciting three-year-old in training at the moment paddington um it's a a strange time to be ending but um, yeah it's uh kind of also a comforting handover as well
0: yeah it could be it could be the wildenstein family's crowning glorious breeders couldn't it the, the the breeding of paddington even though they've had umpteen art winners and classic winners and goodness knows what else stretching all the way back to to some of those days when they had horses with Henry Cecil and Peter Walwyn in the in the 1970s.
1: Yes, indeed. I mean, unusual enough I- in that, in that he's not running in in St. Carlos. Of course, he's it's a Coolmore horse and and bought here in Deauville, albeit at the o- October sale a few years ago. But um, So that in itself is unusual, but that, I suppose, signifies how the operation has been gradually changing and having to be on a little bit more of a commercial footing. There was, of course, the big dispersal some years ago at Goff's of... Um, of uh, the Wildenstein Stables dispersal then that Peter Brandt actually was very active in that. That sort of was his re-entry, if you like, into into um, buying yearlings in in this part of the world at least. And um, yeah, so I guess everything changes. It, it, it feels a little sad because if you followed European racing for a long time, they're colours that really resonate.
0: Well, Emma, you mentioned Peter Brandt there, and his ties with Coolmore have been re-established significantly over the last few years. He is a part owner of Paddington, who is one of eight entries at this stage for the Judmont International, the feature race of York's Ebor Festival, next week. We'll be hearing from one or two who do and don't go, or might go, in the next few moments. But first of all, as things stand at the moment, against Mosterdaff and Desert Crown, is this Paddington's toughest test, do you believe, to date?
1: I would think you'd have to feel that this is his biggest challenge yet. Um but he has shown nothing to make anyone think that he shouldn't go off the, you know, really strong favorite. I mean he really is a very exciting progressive cult.
0: And in terms of distance, we saw he he won over 10 furlongs in in the Eclipse. If if this is made into a into a real war at the dis, at the distance at, at 10 furlongs is is that likely to undermine him? I mean, the, the pedigree is interesting. We were talking about the Wildenstein pedigree. To what extent does it does it does it point us to a horse who actually needs to be racing over further?
1: He's out of a manger mare, Um, so you'd hope you'd get plenty of uh stamina coming in through there and class, obviously. And Siyuni um obviously was a faster horse himself, but he's been getting what well, Sotsas, for example, an arc winner. Um, so there's nothing. I mean, 10 furlongs would seem to be. Uh, the optimum trip for him. But it's going to be, I mean, I really hope they do point him at the arc as well, eventually. Um, there's nothing in his pedigree that makes me think he wouldn't get further, no.
0: All right, well, one of the surprise additions to the Judmont International, though perhaps she oughtn't to have been a surprise, was Nashua. After her eclipse in the Nassau Stakes, prior to that, she'd won the Falmouth very impressively. Her owner, Imad Al-Sigar, is, is with me now. Imad, we've spoken about this, Philly. Uh, you're, you're so fond of her she means so much to you and you are as your racing manager put it rolling the rolling the big dice here what's prompted you to do that
2: well uh, next she's after she came out of the race the Nassau uh, very well Uh, she's in great form Uh, John uh, goes and is very bullish about her and her uh, her condition and uh We thought things didn't go well in the NASA for many, many reasons. It was a very tactical uh, race. The pace wasn't up to her liking, but we are putting this behind us. We feel that Nashua in in a great form, and she's entitled to have a tilt in the Judge Monty.
0: Here's a a question I'm fascinated to, to know the answer to. In your opinion given that she's won a foul mistakes over a mile this season very impressively as well in your opinion is is her performing to her optimum more a question of distance i.e. 8 or 10 furlongs or more a question of simply having a strong
2: pace to run at it's a combination of both uh, I think Nashua is a very versatile filly she proved her versatility over a mile and a mile and a quarter uh Yes, the pace is. Uh, we have seen that. We learned after many incidents that uh, she she wants a strong pace that will help her in the uh, final uh, uh, final strides. I mean, final furlongs of, of any race. But uh, yes, uh, she is. She proven the, in the final that she's a, a very uh, strong filly with. the tactical and uh, cruising speed she's a very balanced uh, horse that's why we will uh, plan to run her in the QE2 on
0: on October so it's this race then the QE2 you cannot be accused of of not being bold with this filly how much of that is informed by by your sense of sportsmanship by your sense of wanting to be at the top table
2: well uh, i think uh, I'm, I'm i don't think uh, uh, of Nashua that way uh, we try to take our decisions not in an ad hoc uh, fashion but we try to uh, to uh, uh, to take decision for the best of uh, the filly. and that's what we are doing now we don't see uh, we don't don't see that uh, it is a big ask of course the first time uh, she's going against the calls not only calls the best in Europe huh? but I think uh, Nashua is there and uh, she's entitled to uh, uh, to have her chance
0: Emma thanks so much for talking to me best of luck
2: Thank you Nick all the best bye
0: um, well she's in. Pile Driver isn't. Trainer William Muir on the line now. William, what's the what's the story with him?
3: Well, there's no story. I uh, I've said it a few times. We had options. We could have dropped back to a minor court quarter and run in the Judmont. We can go for the Cip- we can go for the September stakes. Uh, or we can go straight for the arc, whichever. And um, the arc is our main aim. And I just felt that I wanted to give him a little bit more time and, and probably not drop back to the mile and a quarter. Nothing wrong with him. He's in great form. Um, we're, just, we're just giving him that little bit longer.
0: And do you think that, that freshness is a bit of an angle with him now, having seen him win first time in the in the hard week?
3: No, I, I know what happened. First time out, I you know, because you spoke to me enough mm. times. I, I said that he was nowhere near fit. Going to Ascot and he couldn't win because he wasn't fit. And he put so much into Ascot, he took so much out of himself. And I'm um, just want him to. I want him to get completely fresh and right up and happy. Nothing to do with, nothing to do with um, anything else. I just wanted to, um, yeah. I just wanted to um, give him that little bit extra time and then run him over the trip we know he likes.
0: William Muir there Trainer of pile driver Looks like September stakes Or straight to the arc For him What about Alf Leila He's in there as well He won the trial race For this at York For Owen Burrows On the same day that Burrows won the King George With Hookham I put in a call earlier To find out What the intentions were As regards Alf Leila And why he was still in The Judmont International um, Well I'll be honest Nick he, he's, he's only been left in Just in case Something happens To Mostadath Um so obviously at the moment he, he's just there as a backup um, so at the minute if, if everything goes smoothly with Mostadath we won't run Okay so if it, on the basis that he doesn't run what is the next step for him because clearly he's a horse that ought to be in a group one Yeah so uh, we've Angus has spoken to Hissa and she's Obviously, didn't really want to be taking the two of them on together, and she's more than happy to supplement him for the Irish champion. So uh, that will be his next target if uh, he doesn't run next week. All right, that was Owen Burrows, and prior to Owen, you heard from William Muir, and before that, uh, from Imad Al Sagar, who seems quite hopeful of a big run from from Nashua. Uh, currently around about the 33 to 1 mark. Emma is still with me. Uh, Emma, before we, we move on and talk about the racing in Deauville this weekend, uh, just at, at, at Ballydoyle yesterday, going back to, to Paddington. He's got an entry in the Cox Plate, and I was, I was doing some work with the, the Australian team from the Victoria Racing Club, and obviously they were very excited at the idea that he might head down under. But I, I think it's probably a speculative entry more than anything else at the moment. Interestingly, though, Emma, um, after a few years absent, and we we read much about the the stringent uh, checks for european horses going to the melbourne cup and how that's diminished the the european entry over the over the um recent years uh, Aiden O'Brien's intending to run tower of london in the race the runner-up in the bahrain trophy so if you are thinking of backing him for st ledger just be careful because uh, he told me yesterday that the melbourne cup is the, is the main aim for for tower of london and at the moment, he's got a mark of 109. So it's sort of a moot point whether he needs to run again. But he'd be an interesting player, wouldn't he? Three-year-old who, who, who's definitely up to group calibre.
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, and, you know, it, I suppose there was that pause as these new um, checks came in and the various tests that horses have to pass before they even leave the country and again once they get to Australia and I imagine from you know obviously Charlie Appleby had plenty of runners down there for a while and Aidan O'Brien I imagine they were sort of perhaps waiting to see how things played out with that and, and get a grip of what really had to be done because I think they had to jump through quite a lot of hoops and it's already a big thing traveling a horse to another part of the world. But um, it's no surprise to see them coming back and with a, a an interesting three-year-old who could be in the kind of, I suppose, cross-counter mould. Um, I think Marla years ago went down there with a very similar profile and ran third. Um, yes, he, he will certainly be one to uh, to keep on the radar for that race.
0: We need to talk about the racing at Doville this weekend, uh, Emma Berry, and we ought to start with this pre-morning. This, this is just about the best two-year-old race run so far this season, isn't it?
1: Very much so. Um, the morning's always really exciting and um, a cracking field for this. I mean, I can't wait to see River Tiber. Obviously, Aidan O'Brien decided not to run last weekend in the in the Phoenix States and pointed him to here. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to seeing Ramatuel for Christopher Head, who really is. Um, Well, I mean, his name is so familiar in French racing, but he himself is the rising force, the new young trainer that uh, you can't ignore at the moment. I mean,
0: are you you struck like I am by by his determination to make an impression internationally that he he wants to be known, seen, represented? He's sort of on a real mission to get French racing out there again.
1: He is. He's, an, he's a really interesting young man. When he, in his first season of training three or four years ago, I went over to Shanti to interview him. And he had, I think, five horses at the time in a rented barn at Pascal Barry's. He was sweeping the yard himself. And he said then he how he very much wanted to be seen as a separate entity to his father. Of course, Freddie is now retired and, and Christopher is training from that yard that he has bought himself. And But even then, he told me he was learning Japanese because he really wanted to encourage international ownership into his stable. He's got a very modern outlook. Of course, the Aguada de Centurion, the Spanish uh, owner-breeder operation, has been really significant for him. And uh, yeah, he's just, I think he's clearly doing a very good job. Um, He's got some some of the best three-year-olds in France and Ramatuel could be one of the best two-year-olds.
0: Uh, Ramatuel the Philly, Sacred Angel, a uh, Philly as well. Jason Hart's going to ride her for Charlie Johnston. And then the Colts in the race. Well, Elite Status, who was brilliant at Sandown, a very good last time. Uh, Jasur, uh, the winner of the Group Two at the July Festival. Thunder Blue, Valiant Force, very, very impressive in the Norfolk Stakes. Sajir for Andre Favre, Van Dijk, the Richmond Stakes winner. Edwardian, Frayed No Brian, Johannes Brahms, River Tiber, uh, season's leading two year old at the moment. That is a, a serious race for the Sumbay pre-morning. So Sumbay sponsoring at Deauville the two Group 1s in a multi-year deal for the first time. Nuland Bizikoff is the proprietor of, of Sumbay. He also has two runners, one in each of the Group 1s. Pleasant Jane in the Jean Romanet for Fabrice Chape and then Charlie Johnston's Sacred Angel, as I mentioned, in the in the pre-morning itself. One of just a couple of fillies in the race. Sumbay's Tony Fry joins me now. Tony, this feels like a... A really important moment for for all of your team. Is that is that the way you see
4: it? Nick, I think um, <clears throat> we we've looked at sponsorship in the past, but now we're based in France and we have the stallions to promote and everything. Um, this seemed like a good opportunity, and it's a it's a fantastic meeting. Um, during Deville and all the you know the right people are in the in the place, and they're all in a very relaxed mood um, during this meeting. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's something to look forward to and it's especially nice to have um, a runner in the two group ones, yeah, it makes it even sweeter.
0: Tell me about how you rate your chances in the two group ones. You've got a, a horse trained in France, in the Jean Romane, a horse trained in Great Britain running for you in the in the pre
4: um I'm sure there'd be far cleverer people than, than me telling you um, how we're gonna run. But the fillies, um, the, the Pleasant Jane with Fabrice, um, is a lovely big filly. We think um, we're at Doville now, and there's been a thunderstorm overnight. The ground would be um, soft. We think um, she'll definitely handle it. Uh, it's a it's a step up in class for her. It's not a massive fill, but you know it's it's uh, it's a special day for the boss. So I think it's important we can have a representative for him. Um, secret angel. Um, Charlie's very happy with her. I don't think she's ground dependent. She's tough. She's honest. And and we'll see how good she is. But I mean, again, um, to sponsor the race and have, uh, I think, a genuine chance in it with her is is special for the boss. So, um, yeah, it's nice.
0: So the second of the two Sun Bay runners, then in their own sponsored race, is Sacred Angel, trained by Charlie Johnson, ridden by Jason Hart, the man who has a big date with his beloved Highfield Princess next week as well. Of course, uh, Jason's with me now. A week from now, we might be talking about Highfield. Let's talk about Sacred Angel first of all, Jason. I mean, I'm looking at this morning field, and uh, as we were all saying, it it looks the best two-year-old race of the of the season. Where do you think she fits, Sacred Angel? Well, we'll find out
5: on Sunday, but obviously we've got. Coventry winners, Norfolk winners—you name it—they're all in there. Um, so she's done nothing but obviously improved from from winning her maiden to the Princess Margaret. So if she could take another step forward, that would be nice. What
0: sort of field did she give you in the Princess Margaret? You've ridden—listen—you've ridden Big Ev, so you've ridden two of the better two-year-olds this season, and you ride the best sprinter in training. So you, you know what it—you know what it takes to win a, a, a good sprint. What sort of what sort of basic ability level do you think she's got?
3: I
5: think she's got a a high class ability Um, I thought the headwind that Ascot the day she won was was very strong actually and for her to be up in the firing line the whole way and to sort of keep going and then put distance between herself and the rest I thought was very impressive Um, I'm under no illusions that she'll have to step up again in this field but uh, I'd see no reason why she couldn't take another step forward
0: Now, the received wisdom is that when the rain comes, the Johnston horse's chances diminish. Is that likely to be the case for her or not?
5: It's interesting, though, because obviously she's by Dark Angel, so they can sometimes handle a bit of juice in the ground, so that'd be a positive... Well, you you never know until you try, but obviously going,
0: taking a line straight through Dark Angel, you'd be hopeful that she might just handle it. And then, of course, the, the, the big... News of next week, which is Highfield Princess in the in the Nunthorpe stakes. How's she done since that that brilliant victory at Goodwood?
5: Oh, she's she's in great form. Um, I've sat on her this morning and um, she feels really well in herself. So it's her time of year. This is when she sort of comes to herself and um, now looking forward to the Nunthorpe with her.
0: Has she bitten you again? Because she you said she bit you before before Goodwood and you thought that was a, a good sign.
5: She she's tried, but I've been wary of it, so I'm not let
0: her. So the fact that she's trying that that should should encourage us.
5: Exactly, exactly. No, she's in good nick. Um re- excuse the pun, but no, I'm really happy with her and, and the bus seems really happy with her, so um can't wait to get her back out at York.
0: Uh, what are your other big rides over over the Ebor Festival?
5: Um I have Jem Jungle he was a he won at Goodwood, he runs in the handicap on the first day. Five for on handicap Ballymont Boy, he'll run the, in the Acom. Um he was second in the in the Richmond, so obviously we'll see how that form works out on, on Sunday. Um I think the main one obviously of the week is Highfield Princess though. So, um, but we'll see what else we can pick up through the week and hopefully we can pick something up in the in the E bar maybe.
0: Well, one person extremely excited about the possibility of uh, of what might happen in the pre-morning this week is Kelly Thomas from Maywood Stud, the breeders of Van Diet. You heard me talking to the uh, horse's rider, Andrea Ratzani earlier in the week on the pod. And Kelly immediately tweeted me saying, I've waited all this time, 800 and whatever it is episodes, to get a mention on this podcast. And it has been clearly remiss of me not to mention this uh before kelly you describe yourself as the little welsh stud well the little welsh stud is, a, is about to go big time if you if you win the pre-morning what levels of, of excitement are we at at the moment
6: uh well we're actually um on our way to doville because we're that excited we're following the horse from country to country so um yeah hoping for a nice weekend
0: uh, and it is lovely when when you you breed a horse and then and then move them on that, that you almost still feel as though as though he's yours
6: 100 percent you know we we still have the mayor at home we have his siblings at home um you know when we invest in these meds we don't just and and when we sell the stock we don't just forget about them we follow them as best that we can you know wherever they go in the world
0: so how did the the little welsh stud as you call yourself how did how did you start
6: um so i actually started from a spell of work experience with uh, a a very good friend of the family and um Whilst I was there, I, I was lucky enough to happen upon my first brood mare. and um, really just I got the bug after the sale of the very first foal, and carried on from there.
0: And you just built up gradually, gradually. So, what what are you what are you looking at now numerically and in terms of quality? What do, what have you got on the on the ground at the moment?
6: Um, so we have five mares, um, only two foals on the ground this year. Um, some of our mares are just sort of getting a bit older now. Um, so it's time for us to reinvest, and hoping that you know the opportunity will come pretty soon. Um, you know, tw- we've been breeding for twenty years, literally started with one mare, um, and have yeah built it up
0: from there. And so, tell me a little bit about um, Van Diek's background and, and, and pedigree, and how you got into that family.
6: Um, so we actually bought the uh, Grandam um, in Newmarket. Um, with the help of Andrew Reed and Troy. Um, and then um, we bred the dam. Um, we, we used Exceed and Excel on her when he was in his first season in Newmarket. Um, basically, just enjoyed him so much. in, in a physical, His physical was just superb super when we first saw him. I was um, really keen to use him. So we used him at a fairly cheap rate because that's, that's the level that we've been breeding at for Many years, um, yeah. So we got the filly. We actually sold the filly then as a yearling and bought her back out of training. Then and started breeding from her after that.
0: and In terms of the the, the route that Van deek has taken, I, I mean, you you sold you sold Van Dieck when as a yearling.
6: We sold him as a foal. As a foal. Yes, um, and then he went to a yearling consigner. They then sold him to Roger Cavanagh, and uh, he then took it through to the Ups.
0: Okay, and so when... And I've always been interested in this. When you, when you sell a horse, you know, and you, you probably were quite happy with, what was it, 50-odd thousand at the time?
6: We were. I mean, it was a reluctant sale, but being a small stud, you know, with, with this prospect of having that sort of money, um, it was a case of having to sell um so yeah we were absolutely happy with the money that we got out of time but i i know i was reluctant to sell him because i really liked him
4: and then when you see i mean
0: they made a loss on him as a yearling and then when you see him I know. Ma- making six hundred and twenty-five thousand guineas yeah. as a two-year-old breezer what goes through your mind
6: um, I'm always happy for connections you know everybody takes on the risk you know and I think you know it would be remiss not to be happy for the next person you know when you do this job you, you feel like you want to. you always need to leave something in it for the next person otherwise the job's not you know it's not sustainable um but yeah more you know absolutely delighted for the governors, you know and um, their partners to have made that sort of money and um you know, for, you know, for us, we still have the mayor. You know, all, it all comes back to us eventually. Um, and yeah, to have bred something to to do with time like that, and on the day, it's you know, we were just proud to see what he was doing.
0: And is, is the mayor in foal at the moment?
6: Uh, she's not, unfortunately. Oh, what a shame!
0: She doesn't like to breed with a foal underneath her. She's driven
6: every other. She puts so much into them. She has such large foals that I, I don't blame her for giving herself. A year off in between.
0: But you're off to the sales again with her current foal. Yes.
6: Yeah. We've got a lovely star-spangled banner cult this year.
0: And he goes to the foal sale this year.
6: Yes. That's his intended path. Yeah. And
0: the, I mean, if all goes well, I don't want to start, you know, getting ahead of myself. If you know, you've got the group win already with with Van Dijk. This this could be a bit of a game changer, couldn't it? I
6: mean, it could be. Um, I guess time will tell. <laughs>
0: All right, Kelly, I know you probably don't want to get ahead of yourself. Listen, good luck uh, this weekend at Doville and in- enjoy the trip.
6: Thank you, we will.
0: Kelly Thomas, Maywood starred breeders of Van Dijk Key Challenger in a loaded pre morning. Uh, that's 325 British summertime, Doville Sunday. And preceding that at 250 is the Sunday Prix Jean Romane, which Emma has an interesting rematch here between uh, via Sistina and Stay Alert after the after the pretty Polly shenanigans.
1: Yes, indeed. There's, uh, yes, but, but, but perhaps, well, maybe not a grudge match, but it will certainly be interesting to see how that all pans out. And uh, um, I'm not sure how much the going is going to have changed after the torrential rain we've had this morning, but uh, certainly that will, uh, Sevilla Cena will like any rain that falls here. And uh, no, she's been so, such a, a superstar for for the Hillens and for George Bowie. And uh, yeah, but uh, again, you know, we've got. I'm looking forward to seeing um, Marquesa de Savigny as well re- reappear after her um, win in the pre Rothschild a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, n- another cracking contest on Sunday.
0: And Via Sistine. I mean, for for pedigree enthusiasts, this is this is quite an interesting play um, bred by the Bryce's Colin and Melba Bryce's Laundry Cottage Stud. The people who also bred wooden basses, and what a record they've had. And it's a it's a cross, isn't it? That that seems to have worked time and time again. The the sire and dam sire of Via Sestina,
1: very much so. That uh, that yeah, Fastnet Rock Galileo cross um, has has been, and it's so interesting actually how Fastnet Rock has been much more of a sort of uh, middle distance influence in covering um, in Europe. He's obviously he was a very good sprinter in Australia himself, and and would be known more for sort of. Faster horses there, but yeah, he's he's been a an interesting his his little nick with Galileo has worked incredibly well. And we've seen it time and time again in you know the Oaks winner qualify. And uh yeah, it's it's certainly one that makes people prick up their ears.
0: Well, every week here on the podcast we've been showcasing what's on at the National Horse Racing Museum in Newmarket. you might have seen some super pictures this week of Khadija Mella. Uh, and the £10 million Banksy that uh, we were hearing about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Also, cheek by jowl with the Banksy is the physical manifestation of the Hall of Fame, Racing's Hall of Fame. There are now 17 inductees and counting. From British Champion Series, Ben Young joins me now. Ben, how important is it to actually have something physical, tangible, something people can look at as well as just names in the ether as regards the Hall of Fame.
7: Morning, Nick. Yeah, well, sort of think it's it's vitally important to have a, a physical representation of the of the Hall of Fame. Um, we launched the Hall of Fame back in 2021. Um, obviously, during COVID, so it largely lived online when it was initially launched. Um, you know, people should check out the website. Um, it's full of lovely created features and information on all the all the seventeen. Hall of Famers that are, that are in there um, as it stands but we wanted to this year kind of further enhance the Hall of Fame with a, with a physical exhibition as we've as we've just spoken about before so that sits in the in the Thompson Gallery um, at the National Horse Racing Museum and visitors can you know go there and find out more about the most you know adored stars of, of British flat racing. Um, we launched this in 2021 to mark the 10th anniversary of Kipco sponsorship of, of British champion series um, and launched it to celebrate the modern greats of, of British flat racing human equine from, from 1917 onwards. And, you know, we just spoke about the list before, but just running through some of the, some of the names, the likes of Lester Piggott, Frankie Dettori, um, Sir Michael Stout was inducted um, back in May ahead of the of the Guineas festival um, Frankel, Dancing Brave, Stradivarius has recently entered via public vote. Um, and Queen Elizabeth II as well back in 2021. So, um, yeah, the Hall of Fame is, is growing year on year. Um, I know it's a, a concept that you're, um, particularly on board with as well. And just having that physical representation with, you know, um, artifacts from some of the, some of the people and horses in the Hall of Fame, you know, Frankie de riding boots. Leicester Piggott's Hall of Fame medal. We've got some race cards from um, some of Michael Stout's um, derby victories at Epsom um, as well. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic that that, um, that exhibition is now in place at the museum.
0: And there will be a, a new inductee next week. So we need to keep our eyes peeled. You're keeping that under, under wraps for the moment.
7: Sorry, Nick. Um unfortunately can't reveal that information today but people should keep their eyes peeled next week for a, a new announcement um a new inductee into the hall of fame so um yeah we're, we're, we're really excited about that next week so i'd like to um give particular thanks nick to uh the museum for providing this physical representation of the hall of fame they've been particularly helpful throughout the process we held an event there back in may to mark the inductions of sir michael stout um, and see the stars and christopher troy even came over from hong kong see the stars as owner as well as john Ox from from ireland and it was a particularly um good event you know the artwork in the exhibition is incredible there's interactive screens um in there so yeah just wanted to pay thanks to them uh to all their staff in particular trace trace uh tracy harding and francis stanley so uh thank you goes to them
0: all right. Thank you to all my guests today, particularly to Emma Berry, Europe editor of the Thoroughbred Daily News. And Emma at Deauville has a, a tip for, well, it could be for today, the weekend, wherever you like, Emma. I'm guessing that you're going to stay in France.
1: I'm going to stay in France. And I'm going to go big time, group one. And I'm, we've already talked about her, but I'm going to stick with her the filly, taking on lots of exciting colts in the morning. But I think she's got a very interesting profile. And um, yeah, it, uh, she, she really does some. Um, Uh, excite me, so let's hope she can beat the boys on Sunday
0: Good luck to Emma, good luck to Christopher Head with Ramatiel good luck to you over the weekend, wherever you are whatever you're backing, wherever you're going we will be back on Monday and don't forget of course Charlotte will be here this evening with a digest of all the best bits leading up to the weekend action from 9 o'clock, but from all the team here it's bye for now